Hello and welcome to Get Object. This is a podcast about things in games. I'm Rosie. I'm joined as always by my co-host Paul. Hello. And today we are talking about spaceships. So we will be blasting into the stratosphere very, very soon. But first up, some chat. Paul, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? You've been playing I'm okay. some good games? Yes, I have been playing some good games. Um, It's weird times at the moment. Most of the world is in lockdown, uh, or so it feels, for a coronavirus outbreak that's going on. Um, so it's a good time to play games. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I have been playing video games. I've been playing a bit of Subnautica, okay, which yeah. is fun. Have you played Subnautica? I've not played Subnautica, but I'm I'm quite familiar with it. I kind of had to write about it one or two times, like a little oh, really? tiny bit here and there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. There's basically like uh, Minecraft underwater or something like that, right? Or It is, yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. It's very much a kind of crafting survival game, but at sea. It's it's very beautiful. Um, it's like lovely aesthetic experience. Um, they really get the feeling of like lush undersea environment really well and there's lovely like neon colors and stuff um it's a little bit uh, clumsy in some ways and i feel a ways that games that have been in early that were in early access for a really long period of time are often they have like some quite clunky they maybe not the most stable it crashes quite a lot um so yeah so there are like some frustrations about it but very beautiful, very fun time. Um, certainly worth, I think I got it on sale for like 20 quid or something. It's worth that. I'm enjoying myself. It's fun. Mm, okay, cool. Um, are you playing anything at the moment? Uh, yeah, um, I've played... Well, so first of all, I've, I've, there's been... I was trying to find a few games for my daughter, who's like mm. kind of started... Yeah, I, th- I mentioned before we were playing Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, which she was really uh, into. Yeah. But it was getting to the point where we didn't have that much to do um apart from the impossible lair which would just be her watching me trying to do the final level over and over of failing which didn't seem like very fun uh i tried (laughs) to get her playing as much as possible um yeah yeah i tried rayman origins because it was on sale i don't have you played the rayman games yeah i've played rayman origins i really really liked it oh yeah i love that yeah i've played it before um i love it as well i love both the Rayman games i think they're fantastic they're so nice uh, lovely mm. and they've got great music and everything I really really enjoy them and really hard as well like towards the end if you do all the secret stuff which I got into and I did all, all that um, nice but uh, yeah cause, and it's got co-op in it so I thought maybe if the because co- I knew she wouldn't be able to do it that well but I thought if mm. it's quite generous with the co-op and like if I survive and get to the next bit and if it keeps respawning yeah. her, it might be okay. But she said, uh, this is a silly game and if I want to play a silly game, I'll tell you. So, but... <laughs> <laughs> but um, That's so sassy. Good for her. Yeah, but I, I remembered that I had reviewed ages ago Kirby Triple Deluxe on 3DS. So I okay. had that as a download thing. So I downloaded that and she's been playing Kirby and she really likes it. So, a bit Kirby. But yeah, myself, I've played a lot of short games since we last spoke. So, uh, I played The Suicide of Rachel Foster for review. Um, So, that'll be in Wireframe magazine at some point. And they put their stuff up on uh, online as PDFs, uh, which you can get for free as well. So, yeah, you can have a look at that. But for anyone who doesn't know, that's kind of um, a... 
gone homish kind of game where you arrive in a hotel like an abandoned hotel more horror focused than gone home very much not the type of thing i would normally play uh Mm. so yeah i told i obviously i I told you while i was playing i was i was terrified like for a lot of yeah you were quite scared i found it really difficult to play it was Uh. i was just constantly on edge because yeah it's this yeah it's this abandoned hotel you're in by yourself and you're walking down these long corridors and it plays very well with sound and like you know makes you hear things that could just be like the creaking of the old wood but sometimes sound like a footstep or and all that. yeah so I just hate going every time it's like oh you have to go here I was like no I just want to stay here <laughs> um yeah so that was um yeah but very 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 effective in terms of atmosphere very very bad in terms of story terrible ending uh yeah I know you told me you watched it on Twitch right yeah, I watched Limmy playing it on Twitch, um, Scottish comedian, um, often very enjoyable streams. And uh, yeah, he was pretty horrified, actually, by the ending, yeah. um, as was everyone in chat and um, and me. I mean, it's it's an interesting piece of work and it's actually quite well, as you say, mm. quite well put together in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but but the story ooh, is something. Yeah. Uh, yeah bad in a lot of ways because yeah, yeah it, a lot of the stuff the story is about is like a, a a guy having an affair with a child basically yeah and it's framed as like a, a love story kind of yeah they're like star-crossed like grooming. lovers um mm. so yeah mm. it's not, not great in many ways no. but yeah um so yeah that was that i also played telling lies which Ooh, is I don't the, know that. so you, you know her story Yes. This is the next game from that, uh, okay. from Sam Barlow and whoever he makes that with. So it's um, it's you have a laptop which has been you've kind of stolen access to some database, which is like a a government thing, like a recording mm-hmm. conversations and stuff, and it doesn't really tell you anything about what you're trying to find out. It's a similar thing. You have like a search function. You can search mm-hmm. words um and but it's a bit different to her story in that it doesn't like take you to clips as as such it takes you it does take you to the clip but it takes you to the keyword that you found so it takes you to the point in a video where that word comes up and you can like rewind and stuff but it's a bit like takes a long time so you're kind of more encouraged to jump around and like hear bits of videos rather than like always listen to the whole clip and it's a similar thing like you're trying to find out there's like four characters and you're kind of trying to find out what happened and it ties into a lot of stuff of i mean we had in the uk you might remember the stories of um the uh authorities infiltrating like environmental movements and leftist movements and one of them like i think like having relationships with people yeah uh, that kind of that kind scumbag of undercover dodgy. guy yeah yeah so it's kind of that kind of story um right this one it's about uh it was good i liked it it's oh, similar, sounds cool, yeah. um similarly effective as as her story with and yeah fun to like jump around and try and work out what's going on and get these little clues and so on i like that type of stuff so that was fun um also played a short hike which mm-hmm. is i don't know if you've seen that somewhere 
Um, I think I did because I think you said you were playing it and oh, I looked yeah. it up. I think that's the extent to which I've seen it. Is that yes. fun? So you're like a little bird and you have to hike oh. to the top of a mountain and it's really, really nice. Short game. It's just you, you kind of get the ability to climb and you can glide a bit and like you collect these feathers so you can climb longer and glide longer so you can get higher and higher up the mountain. It's just a really, really nice little place to explore and it's really yeah i really enjoyed it um i'd mm. recommend that to people yeah just a, a short little fun nice place to inhabit you know and then finally i finished yesterday muted zion that's how i would say it okay. which is a game where you it's kind of it's a point and click adventure i guess you'd say and it's set on an island where at some point in the past i think quite long ago some kind of meteor hit and like mm-hmm. kind of destroyed the civilization was that was there and the people that live there now are like mutated from that um but it's it's very much like so there's the normal world it's just like kind of as it is now and like this island it's just kind of a fact that this island exists in these world with these kind of mutated people and you go to visit your grandpa who lives there and is potentially dying maybe and then it's kind of a it's kind of like a drama really in terms of like you find out about like the different characters they're like mutants but all the stories are just stuff like you know this person's having a baby with this guy but now she's having second thoughts about staying with him and um you know, oh, just all this very kind of normal stuff. So it's a bit, it's yeah. kind of part coming of age story. You got to grow gardens to like, yeah, it's a lot of stuff about growing gardens. I won't go into it too much because I've been talking for ages about games on replay. But um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, part coming of age story, part this kind of drama about the various relationships of the characters on the island. And uh, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. That sounds, that sounds quite interesting. There's a comic I really like called um, Black Hole, which is about uses sort of mutation as a way of sort of as a way into a kind of coming of age um thing uh yeah which i'd also recommend (laughs) okay yeah so those are the those are the games i've been playing um okay well i have one more as well i should say actually um so um me and paul have um just started creating stuff for our patreon um which will be up I think now, mm-hmm. um, as you're listening to this, um, and so um, patreon.com slash get object, patreon.com slash get object. And um, one of the things that we'll be doing is a game club where we recommend games for each other and mm. the other person plays them. And the first game you recommended for me, Paul, was Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. So I've been playing that. Yeah. But Razie's not allowed to. Um, <laughs> tell us what she thinks of it because yeah no. i don't know what she thinks of it so this is the whole idea when we record the first when we recorded the first episode of this rosie didn't know what game she was going to be playing so i told mm. her in the first episode and we discussed kind of what she was expecting from it um yeah. kind of you know what she knew about it what her impressions were um we're gonna have fun seeing how much they matched up with what you actually uh played but yeah the 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 um other episode which we haven't recorded as you're listening to this but will be up uh on the patreon like now will be yes yeah the, uh our first kind of return to it where rosie's gonna actually tell me what she thinks of it and we'll kind of yeah. be doing that up until she finishes playing the game 
and yeah, I'm excited at some point to get a game from Rosie as well, which again, I, I won't know what it is. So that's lots of fun. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of been killing me not to know what Rosie thinks of Metal Gear Solid. So I'm, I'm looking forward to recording that. And yeah, it was fun doing the first one and seeing what you kind of, yeah, what your impressions well, I, were. Yeah. yeah, everything I didn't know about Metal Gear Solid, which turned out was quite extensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's been fun. So yeah, so if you would like to hear some highly luxurious Metal Gear Solid opinions, yeah, um, yeah they'll be available on the Patreon. I think it's going to be really fun going through these games <laughs> like this. Uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah. good. So also, we've got up um, uh, a video that we've done on uh well the the idea is i can't remember what we decided to call it um i like first 15 okay i think that sounds snazzy yeah so we decided to do a thing where we are we're going to go through like the introductions to games so the first first 15 minutes and talk about how they introduce us to their world via objects of course that's our our thing That's what we're into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so we did the first one on a very famous game introduction, Bioshock. Um, And that was fun just to, uh, yeah, watch watch a bit of film together and talk over the top of it. Um, So, yep, so there'll be a video of that available as well on our Patreon. Yeah. So what what we're going to do is... Um, as you're listening now, those we should have the first two episodes up of the, the Game Club on Metal Gear Solid and this a video we've done on Bioshock. So they'll be available now on the Patreon. We're also going to put the video and the first episode of Game Club up for free, um, mm-hmm. just so that you can, yeah, give them a try and, and see what we're doing with this stuff. Uh, and yeah, see if it's something you'll be interested in, in following along with us. Um, I'll probably put that up like a day or two after you're listening to this, um, the free version. So yeah, that'll all be available now on the Patreon and and the first episodes of both will be released for free uh, in a day or two. So you can you can check that out. And uh, yeah, hopefully some of you, some of us, you will join us uh, on these on these journeys. They're going to be fun. Yeah. So uh, one more thing quickly before we get to our uh, subject of our episode today, we've got some feedback. Um, always love hearing from listeners on the uh, on the stuff we've been covering and with suggestions for stuff we, we should do in the future. So first of all, from James Giles, the Blue Rays 84 on Twitter, listening to the close episode of Get Object Pod. And the first game that came to mind was Final Fantasy VIII, particularly Squall. Um, you're not you're not really a Final Fantasy person, I know, but Final Fantasy no. VIII, big fan of. Uh, yeah, Squall has Squall has a uh, big fluffy collar on his jacket. Um, nice nice black outfit. Um, I probably thought he was cool at, at the time. Uh, I'm yep. not sure what I think of his fashion sense now, but yeah, that is Final yeah Final Fantasy kept coming back to that in that episode because that's mm. that's one that always came into my head. Nice. We've got another one as well. We've got a uh, message from Ian Grice. Read the clothes episode. You mentioned creating a version of yourself. It reminded me of a great new year when we brought a WWF game, never before or after, and made twisted versions of ourselves. Outlandish costumes and walks. Great fun. I remember the WWF games being fun in like the late 90s or something. Definitely one of my mates had like Smackdown or, or something like that. Yeah, I I've done a lot of character creations in wrestling games, so I can identify right. with this. 
um, starting from WWF Warzone, mm-hmm. WWF Attitude, the SmackDown games and all that. Yeah, right. it's fun making... The, the first thing I remember creating was realising that you could change the colour of your character's skin to anything. So I made the Toxic Crusader um, to start off with in Warzone because <laughs> nice. I could make yeah. them green. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was good, sometimes funny at least at that age, playing around with like the different entrances and like, yeah, how you could make people move and stuff in contrast to the way they looked and things like that. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Excellent times in WWF. Yeah. Um, We also had uh, Jughead Jones on Twitter um, pointed us to some environmental storytelling appearing in the real world in these kind of rather strange times. There was an image out there of uh, an abandoned ferry terminal and the only object in there was a newspaper explaining why it was abandoned with the yeah COVID-19 headliner stuff which is a very very video game approach to to telling a story so yeah we're in video game times now it would seem that's that's exactly where we are right now yes we should all be leaving significant objects dotted around the environment uh, for future travelers to discover yeah and we got uh, one email as well from grayson Schaus. i don't know how to say that that's my best attempt um hi rosie and paul just wanted to drop a quick email say absolutely love the show thank you very much thank you the concept of cataloging and studying different objects with games is very exciting and unique and you two are doing great so far i have a possible suggestion I have a possible suggestion, but I think an episode about musical instruments could be interesting since they can perform so many different functions. You can play to earn coins like the loot in Fable to improve relationships with other characters or neighbours. Oh my God, I remember that. Yeah. Or even teleport to previous locations, Ocarina of Time. Uh, I've always been thrilled to discover a playable instrument in a game, so I want to throw that in the ring. So that was not on the list. It had not been suggested before. So it's a good suggestion. uh, That was a fantastic suggestion. Thank you, Grace. And yes, we'll definitely do that. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, And we also had a suggestion from Jay about food. Food is on the spreadsheet and I think we're going to get to it quite soon. I quite like the idea of covering food. Okay, cool. Good. So yeah, um, if if anyone wants to, to give us any feedback with yeah either either on what we've been covering or give us more suggestions then either tweet us at getobjectpod on twitter or email us on getobjectpod at gmail.com yep okay our subject for today we're going to get into it it's spaceships do you like a spaceship paul how do you feel about them yeah well i guess we we've established by now that sci-fi is my wheelhouse so Uh if something's got a spaceship in it it's um a good sign, generally speaking. It's going to be <laughs> something I'm, I'm more likely to be into. Yeah. I, I should say I'm not into the, you know, there's that kind of, for me, it's more the, the signifier of the genre. There are some people who are very into spaceships in the way you might be into cars. You know what I mean? Like I know what you thinking mean. Thinking about, yes. yeah, that, don't care about that. So not not that kind of interest, spaceships. Yeah. I think that that becomes relevant, like if we think about like Star Citizen or something like that, you know, that the spaceships themselves are the subject of interest. Mm. Um, Yeah, I'm very into like one sci-fi property, which is Dune. And I realized as I was thinking about it, Dune doesn't, I mean, it has spaceships in it. Um, Spaceships do exist in that in that universe, but like it just never really talks about them. Um, Dune does this thing where instead of 
computers, you have people taking massive quantities of hallucinogens trying to predict the future. And instead mm. of spaceships, like they do have spaceships, but the thing you're really interested in is the navigator, who is again someone taking a massive quantity of hallucinogen uh, trying to predict the future. So, yeah, so spaceships are not like hugely present in anything I'm into, I don't okay. think. Okay. Um, not even like we had a, like a Millennium Falcon toy when I was a kid. Um, mm. But I don't think I found it. It's like grey. It's like a very uninteresting toy. <laughs> okay. Going to upset the Star Wars fans. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much space exploration going on nowadays uh, mm. as opposed to, to what there is in the past. But um, yeah, I was just thinking that they're kind of still seen as like a, a symbol of progress. as like the the pinnacle that you can get the kind of human technological and civilizational advancement you you get to the spaceship and like it's seen as like a significant thing when china or like india put their spaceship because it's like oh you're you've got there now kind of thing it's, it's yeah, the, the, the idea around spaceships actually uh because I, I i asked i was wondering about this because i've played a little bit of civilization but not much but um i ceramic sun in the range touch discord confirmed for me that launching a spaceship is a win condition for a science-based playthrough in the civilization games so that symbolic idea we've have the spaceship does exist in games yeah and as he pointed out the the kind of idea behind it uh, he said uh there can only be one spacecraft and whoever launches it wins humanity which yes. um yeah yeah, kind of tell you something about the ideology behind it, I guess. This idea that you've, which of course in the space race was the whole, yes, was space the whole race. thing. It was like some kind of victory. Um, mm, mm, yeah. Mm. Although, and then apparently in Civilization Six, you need to start a colony on Mars for the, the victory. Really? So the, 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 yeah, the conditions have changed now. So yeah, 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 yeah. So it's so it's then like you can start again in in Mars. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, I used to play a lot of Civilization. Um, I was one of those people who's definitely spent like hundreds of hours being like, okay, just one more round and then bed. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, always always used to go actually for the space space race um, win condition. That was always my because it's like a peaceful one yeah um so that was the one i would tend to go for um i like this though isn't this interesting because that was there's all sorts of kind of although there's this like competitive idea and stuff there are there's these kind of utopian it's almost like the idea of humanity reaching the next level or mm. like reaching the next stage and i found that really interesting um while i was thinking about it i asked my other half dave what he he quite likes a spaceship Okay. um and I asked him what he liked and he he was like oh it's all about you know the guys doing the repairs and like keeping this thing going um and um he described it as being like your life's work and I thought that was really cool actually because it's like an idea of because we are dealing with professional environments again when we're talking about spaceships mm -hmm. similar to you know the way that computers are sometimes used but more so like spaceships are used in the course of like I guess characters who are having a career or who mm -hmm. are, are are doing a job but it's not you know it's not like a boring job it's it's something exciting and it's the idea that like yeah your life's work could be just this incredible expansive exploration kind of self-reliant um super exciting thing 
Mm. Um, and, and I can see sort of the attraction of it in that respect. Um, yeah. And I liked also what you were saying about how it's, um, we don't really have the space exploration sort of as, as a big thing at the moment, but certainly, you know, at previous points when you had like the, the moon landings and stuff like that. And it's really interesting that we now feel nostalgic for that period um mad men do a really good job of, of depicting this of depict because it's like you're nostalgic for a period of time when humanity believed in a future or something like that yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, you know and so. that's yeah and there's something really interesting about that that doubling there of of looking back to a time when a future seemed possible and seemed exciting and seemed utopian um, and that there was a widespread consciousness of this kind of idea, you know, we're going to, we're going to go into space. Um, yeah. and, and, um, yeah, we're in a, in a rather sort of, I think, sadder <laughs> mode at the moment. Um, but yeah, those utopian ideas are still there in the spaceship. Very much. And I think even though, um, these were ideological and didn't reflect mm. reality, also yeah. an idea that, um, this was like a, an, even though there was the space race thing, there was nevertheless an idea of like humanity had achieved yes. something like as a, so it was kind of, yeah, not bound by this national idea as well as like gesturing to the future through technology and stuff. And mm -hmm. the idea we, maybe we could like build a base on the moon and like we could, yeah, the future's open to all these possibilities. It was like a future for humanity, um, which again, I think is like a, not really reflect the reality of how it played out but but no. that was part of the idea um so yeah now space exploration's become like you know more of a private thing with like yeah <laughs> spacex and all this yeah um but on that nostalgia thing because i did an, an episode on utopian horizons about the martian and gravity and one of the things that was talked about i think in the martian like with this whole thing of nostalgia there's a lot of scenes of like big crowds watching on tvs like nobody's watching on their phones in their room mm, which is like mm. how people would actually be watching now so it was yeah it was this whole it kind of was longing for that era where it was like seen as yeah, and also that like everyone watched those things so it was this idea of humanity like as a collective together the television is somehow like seen to represent a more communal medium Mm -hmm. than like mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. phone or something so yeah it definitely has this despite ostensibly being a symbol of the future it, it which is how i think people think of spaceships most of the time they definitely have this yeah connection to the to the uh, a bygone age i think yeah um, i think that's absolutely yeah there's there is that nostalgia about them final fantasy 7 by the way has a spaceship which is very much the looks like those spaceships like those space shuttles um right. there was a yeah it's it, it, it had a failed launch and it's kind of tipped over a bit and rusting and so it's kind of has that thing about it it's like a yeah it's a degrading symbol that age has gone the space program in the game has like ended and actually there's a whole um subplot around trying to launch it and yeah because the guy who was meant to be flying it is still like obsessed with it and really bitter about the failure and you go to launch it but then it fails again and there's an explosion mm -hmm. so it it like they try to relaunch that age and it like yeah it fails right. the spaceship comes back down Aww. so that's interesting 
Oh, but yeah, I should say, I think even though we're talking about this nostalgia thing, generally speaking in fiction, yeah, like I said, The Martian maybe has that nostalgia, but obviously with science fiction, more often we're gesturing to, yeah, the spe- the fact that, like I said earlier, the fact that spaceship exists tells you a lot about the infrastructure of the that world. Like if there's a spaceship, there's got to be like probably space stations or like there's probably maybe fast and light travel potentially or mm. certainly very fast travel and humanity's probably exploring beyond the bounds of space and may have colonies and maybe mm. there are aliens certainly there's a lot of technology so you can even if you don't know exactly the contours of the world you can probably guess at the possibilities just from the fact that a spaceship exists that's true yeah you can fill in loads of the blanks as you say it's a, it's a, it's a genre identifier um in fiction and yeah lots of the world gets filled in okay so thinking more specifically about the history of spaceships in video games i mean obviously they're very very much part of the language and history of games um they're sort of i wanted to say that um space invaders was a spaceship game it's not I was... yeah i thought that at first as well although i believe maybe galaga which is the same game basically maybe right. has spaceships Right. Yeah. I have my mind absolutely blown. Yeah. So they're not, it's a turret that you're firing. It's not a spaceship. Yeah. And also they're not alien spaceships. They're actual aliens just descending from the sky, which is a cooler idea actually in some ways. Um, so well done, Space Invader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we do have um, Space War, which is uh-huh. uh, one of the first games or maybe considered by some of the first game. I don't know. But that has spaceships in it. Asteroids, okay, cool. which I remember playing. I mean, just a triangle, basically, but mm. it does the work. Um I was thinking I was thinking it makes sense that there are a lot of spaceships in early games because to do space you just need black and then you can do some dots for stars and there you go. Yep. You've got space. So maybe that's why it's so kind of prevalent in, in early games, I think. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense yeah. To me. That does make sense. I was thinking that about like even in um sorry to go off games quickly, but even in like um TV and film and stuff like that, like often um I really like Red Dwarf and like the modeling and stuff in that for like an old BBC show it actually looks really, really good because you can make a spaceship out of like bits of plastic mm. and like film it with good lighting and it kind of looks like a spaceship, you know, it's just like it's just like a shiny object um and i figure yeah maybe even like you know as as video game technology gets a bit more even as it became more sophisticated like you can still pretty much like render a smooth looking metallicish looking thing Mm. um much more easily than you can like a tree yeah Um, yeah um elite was one that i didn't play but it's given Mm. very 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 significant to the history of games like a big hit and like very influential and did a lot of stuff that would kind of yeah later become more and more a feature of games I guess in the the kind of when you think of like open world games like Elite was like that basically so you could do you could do piracy you could trade with people you could do missions you could mine so there were all these different ways of like making money and all these different approaches to how you played the game you know you could choose where to go and i guess this is one of the things that spaceships do is they gesture to this kind of freedom 
this kind of scale mm. like when you go into space in a spaceship you have the infinite possibilities of space like before you so mm. you're you can go anywhere in space potentially but yeah also you're kind of free to do all these different things and decide that what you want to do what you want to be so i guess that's one of the symbolic kind of um dimensions it has i think potentially yeah i mean that was the thing we were saying wasn't it like that kind of almost utopian ideal and the idea that like yeah as you're saying like you're trading you're mining you're doing like these jobs essentially but they're charged with fantasy they're inherently exciting um there's much more of an air of freedom about them because you can go anywhere do anything i think we actually did have elite um it was on the bbc wasn't it um i think was one of the ways you could play it but I would have been like really young and stupid and had no idea how to use it. Yeah. But I do, I do remember like loading it up um, mm. and yeah, trying to play. Mm. So thinking about some of the themes and mechanics in terms of gameplay that might be coming up uh, when we're looking at spaceships. Uh, the first one I had was flight. Obviously, that's a big draw for spaceships. I'm not actually like a flight sim person. Um no. I, yeah, I haven't, haven't spent much of my life uh, playing those kinds of games. But I will say I really, really like the flying in No Man's Sky. Um, no Man's Sky is kind of interesting as well, isn't it? When we look at that kind of nostalgic spaceship idea, um, No Man's Sky is actually quite good because the design of lots of the sci-fi elements, lots of the spaceships and planets and stuff like that in No Man's Sky is really heavily influenced by... Um, classic science fiction book covers from the 1970s Mm. so you know these are spaceships that have an air of nostalgia about them and and they fly beautifully it's it's like um it's really fun i feel like they nailed that i really like maneuvering around the universe in no man's sky it feels kind of elegant um and um yeah it's like you're able to make you're able to use the spaceship to make elegant gestures which is uh mm. really really enjoyable it's it's a really good time well this is a this provides a perfect example for thinking about how the spaceship links to the kind of experience you're meant to have right so it makes sense that in no man's sky a game about traversing vast distances mm. the, the spaceship should be very yeah um, pleasant to fly and like very yeah, graceful and really able to to move through these huge spaces um Absolutely. a spaceship that i wanted to talk about is the opposite which Ooh. is a spaceship that's very awkward to fly and very very fiddly um which is the spaceship in outer wilds mm-hmm. which is a fantastic game and the so the when i first say that you might think oh so it's annoying to fly, so that's bad um, because we want the things we control in games to feel good. But you would be wrong because ah. um, because because this, this is a game where you are supposed to feel very vulnerable. Um, the when you fly out into the into the solar system and visit the planets that are there, they are very dangerous places and. So this, so first I should explain, it, it has like the, so you, you have like a, you, you control it in like the different um, dimensions. So there's like up, down, left, right, forwards, oh backwards. Yeah. And it's a bit, uh, when you start, it's really easy to like, yeah, um, mess it up and like, you know, spin around and smash into stuff. And it takes damage. If you damage it in space there's a potential that like 
um, air could get sucked out of it or something. And if you've forgotten to put your space helmet on, you're going to die. So yeah, difficult to fly. Also, you have to deal with gravity. So sometimes you, if you're flying in space for a bit and you go towards a planet and the gravity starts affecting you, until you get used to that, like you start coming in a bit too fast because you're in your space mode and then gravity takes this impact and then suddenly you're hurtling towards. So you get used to it as the game goes on and you can you can maneuver it fairly well by the end. But th- the point is, this is a game where you're you're meant to feel vulnerable. You're meant to feel like the universe doesn't really care about you. Right. Um, and this spaceship ties into that because it, yeah, you really do get the idea that space travel is hard and dangerous because mm-hmm. it, it, the ship makes it like that. And like I said, it's very common to have accidents. It, it, you may, if you damage the ship in space and you have to get out of the ship and repair it, and you're, it's really hard to for people who haven't played it, I think, to understand how Altuaz captures that terror of being in space. That like, you know, if we imagine being in space, like in a spacesuit, like out floating by yourself, but often in games, like space is like fairly fun and like easy place to be yeah like a natural element to be in yeah um which it's not <laughs> and then when you get so if you have to get out of this ship in space and you control yourself in space the same way as the ship so again quite fiddly mm. it's not that hard to like get um away from your ship and then find yourself floating and then you're screwed like yeah. y- you can't get back to the ship you can't it depends how much boosters you've got. You might run out and then you're floating away and basically you'll float until you run out of oxygen um, mm, and then mm. you'll die. Horrifying. So it, it, so it not only, in the way it handles, it, it ties into all these feelings it's trying to evoke, but it also creates the situations where those feelings will come out of in terms of like stuff like that, having to get out and repair it. It does that in the aesthetics as well. So it's like mm. a small... It's kind of like a, a almost like a bubble with like legs. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of looks a bit like a moon lander, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it looks like it's been patched together. Like it looks like um, it looks quite flimsy and vulnerable. It like if you go inside the ship, it's like a lot of wood and stuff. So this is not like a super high tech. Right. You get the sense that the people don't. These people don't. Yeah, they've done the best they can, do you know what I mean? And they've gaffer taped yeah. up the holes and like they've... So you even the way the ship looks like gestures to that. Uh, uh, on one side, it doesn't feel like a safe thing to pilot and that, that ties into all those other stuff I've mentioned. But also it's very cosy on the inside. Um, so it is kind of like this safe space. So it does kind of both those things like like that like a thing i mentioned when you get out the ship and you have to repair it and it could be quite scary but if you do get back inside you're back in like the it seals up and it's yeah like i said very warm like wood and um lots of bits and bobs like scattered around on shelves so it is this safe space at the same time so it does both jobs i think that sounds so interesting it sounds like they've done a real job of humanizing it um like that warmth using wood is a stroke of genius i think in in um in what that does to ground um the spaceship because i found this in other texts as well when i was thinking about um spaceships was that okay well we can think about it you know all of this like excitement and professionalism and everything's made of metal and shiny mm. but actually what we see in a lot of um 
in some in some spaceship texts, and I'm thinking again about Red Dwarf, which is a TV series, so I do apologise. But it sounds like the Outer Worlds does um, Outer Wilds does a similar thing, is bringing it really down to earth, um, bring the spaceship really down to earth, mm-hmm. and and um, and and making it massively human. So playing with that tension between humanity at its like most far out potential mm. and humanity as it's uh, you know sort of most mundane and everyday mm-hmm. um and that's what red dwarf does uh, beautifully you know is that the characters that we follow on that um are, are they worked on a spaceship yes but they were the guys who cleaned out the chicken soup dispensers yeah um you know and um and and i just think that's a really a nice place to to sort of go with spaceships actually is to is to consider like yeah, the very mundane and the very ordinary. And it, yeah, it sounds like Outer Worlds is like putting a really human face on their spaceships, which is lovely. Yeah, yeah it's a, a very good spaceship. And like, yeah, the, this whole game is about traversing these spaces. So it's important mm. that they got the thing core of the game right and made it resonate with everything they were trying to do in terms of the kind of feelings you're supposed to experience in the game. Like, the yeah, like I said, the spaceship resonates with all those things and helps get you into those things like into those situations so yes it's a good one Lovely. yeah um, you were saying about um another thing that you have to do in the outer worlds is repair and that was another one of the mechanics i had okay coming up as a significant one when we're thinking about spaceships i have played a little bit of faster than life ftl i think mm-hmm. actually it's called um this week um, I played it before in the past as well it's a good game it's really really hard basically yeah um I'm not good at it at all. Um, but yeah, you're sort of, it's lovely. It's lovely in terms of its music and um, its uh, sort of color design and stuff. It's all like sort of very bleepy, bloopy kind of music and lovely like cool grays and blues. It's a lovely spaceship um, experience. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're sort of flying around trying to um, get to a particular point on a navigation system and uh, having to, your your ship keeps getting boarded and it keeps breaking down and you're having to repair it and keep going. Um, I'm not good at it, faster than life at all. Um, but it is, it's it's very well done. I don't um, think I'm that good at it either. Um, no. But, well, I, I, um, I had, I think I had a really lucky run, but basically I got to the final spaceship it was the first time I'd got there and I didn't quite understand how I was supposed to do it and by the time I worked out like what I was supposed to do I realized that if I'd done that from the beginning I definitely would have finished it um Uh, so I mean I took like loads of damage while I was kind of doing it wrong and then I started doing it and I was like getting there but I was like okay I'm not going to do this now and mm. then I and then I played it a few more times. I'm like, I never, I didn't get anywhere near it again. <laughs> so like, yeah, I kind of had uh, a lucky. I had my chance. I had my lucky run. But yeah, know. yeah, you had the golden path there. I just want to um, say that that FTL was recommended by a couple of people as well. Uh, oh really? Johnny Ronica said that they feel like functioning machines in a very systemic mm. way. Mm. Uh, Slash Epoch said each one is so frustrating in a new and different way, as in each different type of ship and each one solves a problem you had with a previous ship while having its very own new problem that you didn't even consider before there we go yeah and you do you do get that kind of feeling of intimacy and like you know the ships um and i think repair mechanics actually add to that um one very famous spaceship 
in a game is the Normandy in Mass Effect. Now, I know you've played Mass Effect 2. You mentioned that in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played all the Mass Effect games, including Andromeda, by the way, which is not good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's like, it's a lot more fine than the internet would have you believe, but it's it's never any better than that. Okay. Um, but um, the Normandy in Mass Effect is like this incredibly... Uh, this very totemic, very charged um, object slash environment because it's where you are a lot of the time with your friends and where you you know have your space romances and and um, do your excellent work against the Reapers. And it actually gets destroyed at the beginning of Mass Effect Two and then just rebuilt basically. Hmm. Um, and it comes back and it's the Normandy again, and you're like, oh, brilliant! I'm back on the Normandy. And that actually brings us to a really interesting um, question about um, objects in general. Um, It brings us to the philosophical problem of um, the ship of Theseus, um, which is, it's a thought thought idea. (laughs) It's a thought idea. Yeah, it's a thought experiment you can get into, Um, which is... um, if uh, there's a very famous ship uh, piloted by Theseus and um, does lots of heroic deeds and then it goes into a dry dock and is um, presented uh, so that people can go and see it. And over time, you know, the sails wear out, the mast wears out, the bores wear out, they all get replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once all the pieces have been replaced, yeah. is it still the ship of Theseus? Um, and that's, you know, what do you think, Paul? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's a there's a sim- there's a similar one with like the th- uh, theory behind like um what was what, it like not tele you know like the transporters in Star Trek okay because like the there's like oh, yeah. people have done work on like the theory of that and the, and the theory of you don't actually transport the person you like um, replicate the information of like the I don't I'm not sorry, you know the, the electrons yeah. and stuff. Um, you know all the bits that make up the person so you don't actually transport them you kind no, of like make them again at the other them. yeah so the, the that there's kind of yeah there's scientists who have done this actual like theory work of how it right. works so it's a similar thing it's like is that then the person at the other end because it's all like new uh material oh my god that's actually really i don't think i'd want that done to me now that you raise it <laughs> because it's like yeah because i would feel like if it wasn't if my consciousness wasn't continuous, mm. then that's like I'm gonna die. No, I'm not into that at all. I'm not gonna. Oh, people who are interested in that should play the Swapper. That's yeah. what I'm gonna say. Okay. Really, really, really good puzzle game that does deals with these theory questions. You have a, a gun that allows you to create a copy of yourself, and the, the copies move where you move, but you can also transport yourself between the copies. So like there's mm-hmm. one you can so the copies can die, right. so you can you can transport yourself into a copy and then kill the original you and there's a story and themes around that. Um, it's really good, really. Oh, like that, that game. sounds quite cool. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. But so... um, to answer your question, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting philosophical question. I don't know. I think I came up with an answer, which was my answer is it is more the ship of Theseus as you do the repairs because that um, because all we're talking about here is the way that you know we label things and the, the the names that we give objects and you know that we give collections of bits of matter 
Um, so if we are going to the effort of keeping this thing in repair so everyone can come and visit it and, and working on it and growing it more and more intimate with it, then it becomes more and more the ship of Theseus as we do that because we're pouring all of our sort of symbolic energy okay, into yeah. it in that way. Um, and I feel like that with the Normandy. Definitely when the Normandy comes back in Mass Effect, it's like it's more the Normandy than ever before um, because because we bothered to bring it back from the dead. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I like so, that. Yeah. You're investing, but, so you're, yeah, you're kind of investing your your psychic and physical energy into yes. the object as you repair it, and Absolutely. it's like you also have yeah more intimate knowledge of the object because you like replace the bits, so you see like every like little thing, and you did it with yeah. Absolutely. All right, all right, I'm on board with this interpretation. So, I like so it. So <laughs> we've solved that particular philosophical problem. Yeah. So Theseus, who can rest now, we can with that. Um, <laughs> The the uh, the Normandy. I so I was thinking about this. I was thinking I can barely remember the Normandy. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it looks like. I don't remember how it's structured. Mm. And I was thinking this about. I was trying to think of like spaceships and games, and I was a lot of the time struggling to think of specific ones. And I feel like I should remember the Normandy because you spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. So I, I think I don't know why that is. I think I, I was wondering if it's perhaps to do with like the aesthetics of the kind of spaceships I like, which, so to, again, I don't really remember the Normandy, but I think it's one of those quite sleek, um, clean sci-fi things. Yes. I tend to be more drawn to something like the Nostromo in Alien, where mm-hmm. there are vents and wires hanging out and it's a bit uh, industrial or like... Um, dirty or you know there's something more real about it that appeals to me more so like it might be that Mm. uh i don't know if it's just the place because it's a place of transition primarily do you know i mean it's inherently transitory it's a place you're in between going places i don't know yeah um the, the spaceships that i actually tend to remember are i'm doing what you did earlier they're not from video games yeah like the the enterprise from next generation i have a very clear idea of what the rooms are there and what it looks like and what the doors sound like and (laughs) what technology is available there like red dwarf as well like you Mm. said i have a far clearer idea of that ship um don't know where that is i just thought yeah i think no yeah, I think it is that pulling down to earth thing that we've kind of identified, isn't it? Is is helpful and making it feel like a place that's really lived in. I do get that about the Normandy actually. It's almost like it's a character in the game and it's like um and it actually becomes a character at one point. They like the ship becomes sentient. Yeah. Well, actually um, I got so Andy from Rage Touch made some nice points about the Normandy where he speci- he he mentioned that. Uh, he right. said, uh, I think the Normandy is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a human Turian design hybrid uh, whose right. whole value when you become a Spectre is that you can operate independently in stealth, which really encapsulates the politics of the game being caught between a sort of cosmopolitan statism and individualistic good guy with a gun mentality. The Lovely. Normandy... 
Number two, the Milmer D Mark II is very symbolic of what's happened to Shepherd and to a lesser extent the galactic government having been wrecked and rebuilt and no one's sure how dangerous it is at this point. And mm. number three, in Mass Effect 3, they figured out how to sexualize the ship itself through Edie's new body. So Edie's yeah. like the ship AI, right? Or yes, like that. yes. As she starts walking around, it is very fucking weird um yeah she, she gets like a body and then um and it's as uh, she's voiced by um is it a sexy who, body she oh my god <laughs> not only not only is Edie like very hot um she like uh it's it's actually quite gross like um she's got like um a very I'm not even going to go into it it is a sexy body yes and okay. also and also um the uh the ship's pilot Joker eventually embarks on a sexual relationship with her okay <laughs> so he's like banging the ship it is so weird honestly like it's one of those one of those kind of psychosexual wormholes that Bioware RPGs go down mm. where occasionally it's like what the absolute fuck is going on here he's one of those um, people i mentioned then that's really into spaceships <laughs> yes my word yes he gets very very into spaceships indeed <laughs> okay so some moving on to some non-sexy spaceships Shame. uh yeah um a game that i like a lot that has spaceships in it is free space 2 from mm-hmm. 1999 so this is a game where you play as kind of the the fighters in this space war um so there are huge big capital ships with big that fire massive beams but you're one of the little fighters buzzing around right. or sometimes one of the bombers that's doing like bomber runs on the big ships uh, or doing there's some like stealth missions and stuff where you have a stealth ship so you have different ships for different roles so that's mm-hmm. quite fun and it kind of changes how you play the game and what you have to focus on so like, if you're a fighter you're normally trying to stop other fighters or you're stopping bombers and shooting bombs that are going towards like a capital ship so you you or when you're being a bomber you kind of have to ignore other stuff and focus on destroying specific parts of like the bigger ships okay so it's a game that's very very good at doing doing this thing of like making you feel like a little part in like a a bigger thing it's kind of one of the themes the game deals with i guess like you're not like the main important thing in each situation you just have to do your little role and you have to do your little role well because it's important but Mm. you're doing it so that all the other stuff can can work so something i really like about these spaceships is they capture a sense of scale in a very cool way which doesn't often get done because you're this little fighter like these ships do feel massive and some of them are huge and the the bat some of the battles are feel incredible when you've got like multiple these ships multiple ships they're firing huge laser beams across like space and there's all these fighters buzzing around the bombers you can see all the fire going everywhere and Mm. you're just this tiny thing doing your little bit so they feel yeah they feel like massive and the ships feel massive and the battle feels huge they have the sense of scale that's really cool i love that yeah yeah i also quite like the fact that you only know so there's this Alien. So in Free Space One, which I haven't played, the humans are fighting a war against the Vasudans, and then the Shivans turn up, who are this race that nobody 
knew about before and they're way more powerful than anybody else you end up having to kind of ally with the the students to fight them but you don't really know anything about the shivans all you know is like their ships and i like that idea that they're like this mystery this mysterious force and you come up against the cold metal of their ships and that's as far as you can get kind of Mm. thing um and they also they tell you about their danger and their power through the ships and like through the gameplay of fighting with their ships so there's a mission in free space 2 where the colossus which is the best biggest capital ship you have has a battle with a Sheevan ship, like a new type that they haven't seen before, called the uh, Sathanus or something like that. And it's a massive battle, and you just barely survive, and the Colossus comes out victorious. So it's like, great, we've, we've done it. And then there's a mission where you discover that they've, they've there's like nine coming of this ship. Right. And you're like, you've got this one, that's like your best ship, and it's like, you thought you'd be in their best ship. But for them, it's just like... It's just no. like one of our ships. And you then you like, so it tells you like everything about their power just like through their ships, what their ships can do. They also do this in Free Space 1, which again, haven't played but read about and sounds cool. When the Sheevans first appear, you can't really fight them. Like they have technology, which, um, so they have shields, which you have in Free Space 2, mm-hmm. but you don't at that point and your bullets don't go through their shields and you can't lock onto them properly. So it tells so through the combat with the ships, you it tells you like these are better than you and yeah. like your technology is rubbish and you, this is a force you don't understand. You can't even lock onto it. Like, you know what I mean? You can't get a fix on it and you can't compete with it. And you have to yeah, in that game you have to get the technology so that you can actually fight them. Um so that's cool that they do the storytelling through the, the ships. The the final thing I wanted to say about the Free Space 2 ships is I really like the way they capture the idea of the complexity we have around spaceships. Like the idea that the spaceship is like a super high piece of technology that mm. you have to be hyper competent and clever to fly. Because Free Space 2 <laughs> uses like almost every key on your keyboard. Like wow. it's, um, you don't have to use a lot of the stuff, but you can... So, for example, you can shift power between your engines, your shields, and your weapons. Within that, you can shift shields to different quadrants. So, like, if you're being attacked from behind, you could shift more power into your shields and then put more power into the back shield. There's targeting for targeting an enemy, targeting friendlies, targeting bombs, targeting... When you target a capital ship, you can then target subsystems. So, these are all keys that you can press... Mm. you can there's a button for targeting your something like targeting your target's target or something like that there's a lot of buttons um so again you don't have to use a lot of this stuff but if you get into using some of them a bit and you're pressing all these buttons on your keyboard like it has the kind of pace that allows you to do that so you're yeah you know switching between all these different targets and and using all these buttons it kind of taps into that idea that the spaceship is a complex piece of technology and you're like can feel like you're mastering it and understanding how it works 
which is quite I, a fun thing. That's so cool. Yeah, that kind of idea. Yeah, that you're like a specialist. Yeah. Um, I, there was another game, actually, that um, I think probably taps into this that I haven't played, but was recommended by my friend John, um, which was Kerbal Space Program. Um, I've never played it. It sounds quite fun. Um, a huge shout out to John. John's been like, I haven't, every time I've been like preparing to record Get Object, I've talked about it with John and he's come out with like really good suggestions and I've basically used them every week and never mentioned okay. his name. <laughs> huge shout out, John. Um, but yeah, it's the Goebbels Rose program, which is where you, yeah, you actually have to like launch a space ship um mm. and do all sorts of complicated navigational and sort of structural calculate calculations um and get these little green guys up into space and then like often they just explode but yeah i guess um yeah that feeling of of being a specialist of like really you know if you can if you can feel like you've got like mastery and um over the technique of flying in space that's quite a satisfying um thing that you know that the game can give you um and the other thing I wanted to say um, was you were talking about scale. I love that. I love that idea of just like the absolutely huge spaceship mm. um, and the game. And again, it's a game I've never played, a series of games I've never played, an entire universe I have never explored. But Warhammer 40K, okay. um, I know, has this thing where it has um, spaceships that look like cathedrals. And that okay. is so interesting to me because the cathedral is an architectural form that was developed. They're often very, very big buildings, but they are also supposed to feel even bigger because the idea is that you go in and you are completely overawed. Mm. Um, you're supposed to go in and have this experience of vast, vast scale um, and, and incredible wonder and grandeur because that's a religious experience. Then that feeds into what you're supposed to think about God. Um, and, um, and I, yeah, so the, the, the move within the Warhammer universe of having spaceships that are vast and also look like cathedrals, it's just so, so neat. I don't know if you've ever played any like, um, 40k or anything like that. No, I, I bought like one pack of Warhammer figures when right. I was a teenager when yeah. they, you know, when they were like, they became really popular. Mm. Um, I don't know when, like in the nineties at some point. Yes. Um, I think my yeah, brother I, did the same thing. Yeah, so I bought like one pack, but then I never really, yeah, it's, never went it's to like, that. It's a massive thing to get into. Is the uh, is the vibe that I get from like tangentially being around people who love Warhammer, but I I am always so tempted by those fucking cathedral ships. I just think they look like the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah, do you know what is that that presumably that's possible to do as well because you don't have to worry about aerodynamics and stuff mm. if you're building in space like i don't yeah. know i don't know shit about space like obviously if you launch stuff you have to worry about it but if you build a spaceship in space aerodynamics are completely irrelevant i think that so is my understanding guess as you well you could build a cathedral ship if you wanted to and it would not be like functionally bad in any way yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that is my understanding as well. Again, my understanding comes from Red Dwarf, but they mentioned that in Red Dwarf. <laughs> so. Right. Well, we can only hope that if uh, kind of space travel becomes a thing again, that mm. we do get cathedral spaceships for our future um, explorations. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to insist on it. Otherwise, I'm not going up there, basically. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the last mechanic I had that I thought was worth talking about was 
isolation. Now, isolation is something that we often think about. It gets brought up a lot with respect to space. Uh, Famous science fiction quote by Arthur C. Clarke. Two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. It's a brilliant Mm. quote. I feel like it's a quote that's used at the beginning of a video game and I cannot remember which one. Um, Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Game or a film or something. It's something. Multiple. I I don't know. It might be XCOM. That's my only guess. But um, if yeah, if someone if someone yeah, someone can uh, track down which video game I'm thinking of for that quote. But yeah, isolation. Um, Obviously, the game that does uh, talks about this uh, at length is Alien Isolation, a game Mm. as we've established, neither of us have played. Uh, or will play in my not, case, neither yeah. of us are gonna play it i don't no. think i mean you you definitely would be too scared i think and yeah, i yeah, probably yeah. <laughs> i probably would be um yeah it looks like so what you're so you're in a you're in a spaceship and an alien is chasing you around and you're alone like that just sounds horrific absolutely horrifying and that's but it's it's sensible for them to come back to that idea as the theme for the game because obviously that was always there in alien wasn't it is the alien tagline is in space no one can hear you scream isn't it mm-hmm. and again so it's that sense of isolation being alone and like radically alone there's no one around for light years you know there's potentially no one around at all i mean they again do it in red dwarf but um yeah but you're it's... you're stuck in an enclosed space but the the space is surrounded by something that you can't traverse like you literally yes. can't you can't get out and run away or like yeah, you can't go anywhere. It's like yeah. untraversable. Yeah, so it's like really rich fodder for, for so kind of psychological um, horror. Um, and then obviously there's a flip side to isolation as well, which is when you're isolated with other people. Um, it's like a, a close quarters thing. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and people people getting sick of each other. They don't really do that in the way that I think they should in Mass Effect. Because it just, Mm. it seems weird that these people aren't all driving each other absolutely crazy because you're all stuck, again, in this thing. You can't get out. You know, outside is a completely inhospitable environment. You're going to be on there for months at a time. Um, I read a really, really interesting article um, while I was preparing for this about um, life on board a British nuclear submarine uh, by Stephen Moss. It was in The Guardian. And uh, he was talking about what it's like. He sort of went down on a on a nuclear sub. Um, mm. What what it's like for the guys down there. And it's like they they like they like start. There's at some point during the voyage where they start pretending to be motorbikes because, like, I guess they're all so bored and they're like getting <laughs> weird. They have like a rotor for a ba- like they they tell the journalist while he's down there. They're like, oh, we've got a badger on board and we like have shifts feeding it here's the rotor and they show him the rotor and he's like, fair enough. That's a bit odd. And then like, he realizes that it's not real. And it's just like this thing that they talk about, like the, Oh, got to go feed the badger, eh lads? (laughs) (laughs) Because they're all, you know, they're having a really weird time down there. And, um, and I thought that was, I just feel like that, that is something where there's a potential for games to like, really sort of get into it because i think space again like we were talking about with gore like get weird with it space should get very weird um it obviously does get very weird when you're stuck on a nuclear submarine um and it should get weird for the guys in space they should all be running around pretending to be motorbikes on the normandy and stuff yeah like 
Yeah, I don't think there's. I don't think that's something that's particularly been done in games. Mm. Um, I think maybe Tacoma does that, but that's a that's a space station as opposed oh, okay. to to a, to a space. Yeah, that's um, yeah, learning a lot about people's yeah interpersonal relationships and dynamics in an enclosed space where oh, cool. you people are there for months at a time or, or whatever. But yeah. Oh, well, I'm Te- glad that someone's done it. outside the scope of our uh, episode, but... Um, I don't know. I think space it. stations is fine. Mm. Mm. You want to do space stations well, separately? <laughs> maybe. Maybe Prey. we should... Well, I specifically didn't talk about Prey because that's a space station. Oh, my goodness. We haven't talked about Prey. Okay. Yeah, no, maybe we do need to talk about space stations separately. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Happy with that. Cool. Well, just, just before we, we kind of uh, come to the end, I wanted to, to run through quickly a few um, examples we had for suggestions from people. We like having our little research community involved. So, mm. yeah, always fun to do that. Um, Johnny Ronicus talks about the, the GTA UFOs as a great example of uh, early internet rumour mill stuff. Oh, my God. Were um, they real? Well, this is the thing. Um, so... Yeah, so first of all, I like the way that the UFOs in the game worked exactly as they do in real life to like generate all this like conspiracy theory yeah. and stuff like that. I couldn't determine, so I went on Google and was like, okay, I'll look like were there UFOs in any of the games or did they? I mean, I know they put UFO stuff in GTA Five, like mm. the for sure. Mm. Um, but I couldn't work out appropriately. I couldn't work out whether it was real or not because oh. um, obviously people have done like mods and stuff since because all those games are quite old. Like, I know right. there's, a, there's a Bigfoot mod, for example, mm. and, like, Bigfoot was not in GTA, but that was a rumour. Was it not? It, it yeah, a... I thought it was. Okay, yep. No, the... Well, you're making me doubt it now. This is the in, like, San thing. Andreas, like, when you go Yeah, around, I'm, I'm like... pretty sure there is no Bigfoot. But okay. There, there was a mod where someone has done Bigfoot, but that right. was the rumour, right, that you could find a Bigfoot. And yeah. there, there seems to be similar things for these UFOs, but because of the, the mods and stuff, I had a hard time working out if they're in the games or not which is perfect that is. <laughs> that's what i want from the ufo stuff love that um slash epoch epoch said the ishimura from dead space has a logic to its layout i appreciate and i like that it's basically falling apart she's mm. got one last planet crack in her and then she'll be decommissioned so this was her last voyage no matter what you get this sense of decay and rot that the whole game has running through it um again a game i'm not going to play so appreciate having some people who've got stronger nerves than us to bring up these examples that we'll miss yep um uh, circadian wolf said star citizen deserves a mention for how the ships were are monetized not just spending real money to get access to a ship but a ship that doesn't even exist virtually Mm. there is only a singular copy that can be destroyed and that you can also spend real world money on insurance for to protect your investment in the ship that you cannot fly um that sounds like a grift (laughs) well i mean the story of the incredible funding of star citizen is a story of people loving spaceships you know what they figured out was that if you um if you tie the funding model to you know if you tie the donation model to people feeling like they're buying a spaceship rather than just giving us you know rather than just giving us 30 dollars here you're buying this spaceship and as i i did actually go on the um star citizen website and like ridiculous amounts of money that you can pay if you want to uh for the most luxurious 
digital ships that as mm. uh, that are yeah not in the game yet um or maybe they are i don't know i don't know how it all shakes out with star citizen but yeah certainly um that incredible innovation of thinking oh wait a second we 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 offer people a spaceship um and then they'll all they'll all come flocking and it became yeah the most funded video game ever through kickstarter or something like that i think yeah yeah so um one final one Quintapia said, I want to give a shout out to R-Type for being the most unique among classic shoot-em-ups. The repositional, that repositional drone shield that lets you basically reconfigure your ship on the fly is extremely clever. Mm. Um, yeah, I want to put that in because I think probably shoot-em-ups, I'm guessing seeing as you haven't brought it up either, a bit of a blind spot for both of us. Yeah. There's a whole bullet hell genre mm-hmm. full of yeah. spaceships that I just don't know anything about, so... Uh, obviously our type's not bullet hell but yeah that whole thing i don't know anything about so we can at least acknowledge the existence of those games even if neither of us have got uh anything to say about them yeah thank, thank god for the research community yeah addressing our blind spots there yeah so that's the end of our episode on spaceships uh as always let us know if we've missed anything um on uh, getobjectpod on twitter and getobjectpod at gmail.com uh, for the email and as we said at the beginning of the episode if you want to hear some more from us now then go to patreon.com slash getobject and you can join us uh for, for a first point of of uh exploration work away through metal gear solid with with rosie yeah who, uh yeah is, is hopefully having a fun time on her first run through of that well, you'll find um, so, out see our see our um videos that we're doing we discussed today following up bioshock possibly with half-life so yeah or half-life 2 i don't know but there'll be more coming on that something i forgot to say as well i'm probably gonna i think i might try doing some streaming soon as well on twitch so very exciting we've got a twit if you go to twitch.tv slash get object we're on there follow us and uh and then you'll you'll find out when we start streaming. I don't know what to do. So, so send me recommendations if there's anything you think I should stream. Um, that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, and also, I'm not sure exactly when this come, episode will come out, but early next week, which would be the week of the 6th, I'll have an article about nostalgia in video games on uh, EGM. Oh, how lovely. So, yeah, kind of talking about Kind of talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, but also just more generally like nostalgia and how it works. And yeah, it's the first time I've written for EGM. So just go and click on the link so they get loads of hits and they want me to write more for them. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not sure exactly when that'll be up, but yeah, week of the 6th, early on the week, that should be on EGM. So have a look at that. Fantastic. Okay, so next time we will be talking about food. There's lots of food in video games. Um, Paul's a bit more nervous about this one than me. Yeah, I, I, because I yeah, I'm very aware that like food in video games is a very fantasy games thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'm sure I'll come up with some stuff. You absolutely will. It's going to be but absolutely you will, brilliant. For sure. I've got I, I've got complete faith in food as an object. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Um, so yeah so we will all be uh, tucking into our sweet rolls next time Um, but for now that's us that's Get Object on Spaceships thank you very much for joining us bye 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 bye